1: Hey, fans, it's Michelle joy Felton. and I'm joined now with the one and only Clarissa Shields. Clarissa, thank you for getting on the phone and uh, doing the call. How are you?
2: I'm good, and uh, you're welcome. I'm good, though. You know, I'm enjoying this good quarantine life. It's not too bad.
1: <laughs> yeah, as I was just saying, it feels like boxers don't really, like this may not be anything too new for you guys, because when you're in camp training, you are a bit isolated, and you're already, you are know, not going out. You're not doing much. You're literally going to the gym and back to your house. So I imagine it's probably not too far off.
2: Yeah, for some fighters, you know, some fighters travel with large entourages all the time and security guards and stuff like that. But, like, for me, uh, when I'm in the gym, especially when I'm in camp, yeah. it's me, my coach, and my boyfriend. So I'm not really, like, a person to be around a lot of people anyway, except for when I go to, like – Actual like other people boxing matches and everybody like, oh, she's so so," like, you know, she's so social and she's out here. But in reality, that's not even who I am. I'm more of like to myself and just like to be like low
0: key. (laughs)
1: What's your, what was, or what has been your moment when you realized that we're really on a lockdown? Like mine was not being able to just, because there's like this chiropractic place out here. And I like to just go, you can just walk in. And I was mm-hmm. like grabbing my things. Like, I'm just going to go see the chiropractor because my back was hurting. And then it dawned on me, oh, my God, they're closed. Like, it was it was one of those moments. So what was your moment?
2: Um, Well, I was actually in Spain, and they put the whole country on lockdown.
1: Oh, no, really?
2: Yeah, and they had shut down the schools. And then after the country went on lockdown, then Trump says, um, in 24 hours, we won't be allowing any uh, any flights from Europe to come back into the U.S. So I was like, I have to get the hell out of here. <laughs> That's when I was like, oh, wow. And then I got here to the U.S. And uh, this is back when they hadn't even taken it serious yet. They were still saying, oh, it's only in Italy. It's only in Spain. Blah, blah, blah. But then... It uh it ended up happening, like, they started, you know, shutting down things in Michigan. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, they started shutting down things in Michigan and saying, like, no groups larger than 100, then 50, then 10, and it mm-hmm. was like, okay, they, they they just started shutting down everything.
1: Yeah, that's, I would imagine it's a scary time, so I was going to ask you about the return back, so it wasn't as, as intense and crazy coming home, like, with the testing or anything like that, not yet, at least.
2: No, it was regular. Like, I didn't get any testing. But, you know, from me being in Spain and just watching the news and when I did start my flights back to, um, you know, back to the U.S.,
0: mm-hmm.
2: I was just so aware. You're like, I had, like, my little scarf around my face. Mm-hmm. But even when I didn't, it just seemed like a lot of people were, like, were sick on the planes. You know what I mean? Like, people were coughing. And I'm not going to say that everybody that was coughing had the coronavirus, but I was just, like, uh, cover your mouth. <laughs> you know, cause it was like this is like like this series and um it was actually a moment on the plane that happened to me and that
1: freaked me out,
2: you know, throughout this whole coronavirus thing. Um I was walking to the front because I was first class and uh I was walking, you know, it was like two entrances. So I walked to the wrong side and when I turned around to go back down and you know, just to go around, a lady, I mean, she was about right here. And she just coughed and and I tell you I've never, she looked at me crazy because I jumped back like this. And I was like, whoa, like I'm, I'm trying to dodge invisible germs. And I'm like, whoa. And she looked at me and like, it was okay that she coughed. And I was like, no. And I went back to my seat, and I would just put my little mask on, and I was just paranoid the whole time. Like, Lord, I just want to get home and get inside my house, and that's it. But- so funny story, um, I try not to watch my boxing matches, especially being in isolation, because it um, just gets me so excited. Not just my boxing matches, but other boxing matches. Like, I haven't watched one single fight since, I, since we've been in isolation. And uh, the other day, you know, it was my anniversary of becoming an uh, Undisputed Champ against Hammer. And everybody's sending me the link. Everybody's saying happy anniversary and all of the other stuff. And I just made, like, a little post on Instagram and just left it there. Like, you know what, whatever. I don't want to get too much into it. But after, you know, like, the link gets into you, like, so many times, I was like, Ugh, let me rewatch the fight with Hammer. <laughs> and I rewatched the fight. And I just remember, like, I was actually sitting here on my beanbag, and I just remember, I think it was seventh, eighth round, when I knocked the mouthpiece out, and I just jumped up like, yeah, don't ever talk shit to me, ever, and now everybody was like, yo, you good, I'm like, yeah, I'm sorry, I'm just gonna hype, my bad.
1: <laughs> it was like, you weren't even there, you were just watching it on
2: TV, that's cool. Exactly, so it was just like, yeah, no more watching boxing matches while in isolation, because I just was like. I went upstairs, started punching my boyfriend and stuff like, <laughs> yeah, you got something to say? He just was like, dude, calm down. I'm just like, my bad. I'm tripping. <laughs>
1: I'm curious, like, you know, speaking of that, like when you're in the moment, right? When you're in the ring, you've just won. You've, ha- you've made history in so many ways, not only just as a woman in boxing, but boxing in general. Do you ever find that while you're in the moment, you don't really feel anything, or are you really in it in that moment?
2: I try to be in those moments because um, my my one loss in amateurs is the only fight where I wasn't in that moment, like, you know, where I kind of um, felt like everything was a routine and it wasn't, you know, every day is not the same. But when I was younger, I felt like, oh, it's just another fight,
0: mm-hmm. you
2: know, and I was kind of getting in the ring and before I knew it, like the bell was ringing for a first round and then the bell was ringing to end the round. And I would never know what happened in mm-hmm. in some of my fights because I was never in those moments. But the time I recall the most where I just wasn't in the moment period was the fight against Marshall. And uh, from that fight on period, I always like, you know, have a conversation with myself like, hey, you know how many hours you have to the fight? you know who you're fighting, you know where you're at, you know, you know what's on the line. And um, I'm always able to be in those moments and not think in the past and not think in the future, but just think about what's going on right now. Yeah. And um, I do that leading up to the ring. Like people say, what are you thinking when you go into the ring or when you're doing your ring walk? People know I dance, but right before the ring walk, I'm pacing back and forth and I'm like, Hey, Clarissa, you know what's about to happen, right? And I'm like, yeah. And then they're like, what? And I'm like, I'm getting ready to go inside the ring and fight against, you know, my last fight, Ivana Habazin. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, "Okay, what are you fighting for?" And I'm like, "Fighting to become a three-time division world champion." Mm-hmm. You know that in within ten minutes you're going to be in the ring fighting, right? And I'm just answering myself in my head, like, "Yeah," like it's almost like sarcasm, but it's almost like me checking myself, like, make sure you know what's going on. So that's kind of how I've always, um. That's how I've been since my first and only loss when I was 17. So I'm always in a moment, always. Take it round by round, second by second. Mm-hmm. Yep.
1: You said that you, you spar men. Yeah, you yeah. you like, you're getting more from it. You're getting more from that sparring session. Like, I found that incredible. I had no idea you did that.
2: Yeah, yeah. I've been doing that since since I was younger. You know, my, my uh, coach, uh, Jason Crutchfield at the time, used to have a spar, and he would call them marathons. And that's basically round robin. And actually back in the day, even though it's round robin, like you get in, you get out. Everybody used to get out and I used to stay in all the time. I mean, I, I even think he has footage of where um, he put me in a corner and he had two guys punching at me. And he like, have your defense, pick which one you're going to hit, figure out what you got to think about fighting both of them. And I'm like, both of these guys, both my size, one was a little bit taller. They're both strong. One had a good uppercut. The other got a good freaking left hand. And I was in the, I was in the corner fighting them there for my life against both of them. And and it didn't feel like I was fighting for my life. It felt like I had my moments. And I always felt like I always came out on top. And I'm like, if I come out on top with two guys punching at me and figuring out who to punch, how to make this guy miss? And, and they're both trying to attack me at the same time. I know damn well. First of all, a guy boxing me one on one is going to be a problem, but especially
0: for a female.
2: Mm. And uh, but my first boxing coaches used put just put me through hell when I was a, a kid. And I was a hard worker, and I never complained about any of it because I knew uh, where where it would get me. You know, but that's when I knew I was passionate about boxing. You know, when the guys start getting off on me in the age of fifteen, sixteen, mm-hmm. and sparring. And um, I would get so mad after. And, you know, my coach used to have a hug after we sparred. And it was sometime where I was like, hell no, nah, I'm not hugging him. No, he bust my lip. And um, I remember my coach having to talk with me one time. And he said, "Rest. you done bust dude's lips down here. You done black guy's eye. You done bust they nose. You done cut their face. And you throwing a temper tantrum because somebody punched you in your little lip. He just was like, please, get over yourself. You know, he was more of like, look, know that as much, you got to be able to take what you dish out. So just because, you know, this guy, you feel like this guy beat you in sparring, he just was like, there is no winners or losers in sparring. You know, and um, it took me a while to understand that because I wasn't getting any fights in the amateurs. So it was like sparring was my fight. That's what satisfied me. So when I finally had to look at sparring as practice and look at sparring as a as a chance to get better, that's when I was able to not take it so seriously. But I still uh, don't like uh, losing to anybody in sparring or losing in a fight still.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Why boxing? Like, when you were a young girl, what, what was it about boxing that drew you in?
2: I think it was just... Uh, just the Imano Imano term, you know, uh, me, me against you, you know, nobody, nobody to protect you, nobody to protect me. And uh, it's one-on-one and I had played basketball, volleyball, softball, and I ran across country and track and stuff. And it was like, I would win all my track races, but we still wouldn't get first place as a team trophy, you know, because the other events didn't do so well. And uh, that used to aggravate me. You know, I'd just be like, I did all this work. I won the 400. I won the 200. I won the 1600 where you got to run the mile. And I'm just like, but we still don't have enough points to where we're first place because I have to depend on other people, you know. Yeah. And that just in me was like, you know what, I'm sick of, um, you know, team sports. But when I went to the gym and I saw two guys in the ring sparring, I just said to myself, Man, I know I know I can do that. And uh remember I remember saying that and the coach Jason Crutchfield was like, You don't know nothing about no boxing and I was like, Nah, I don't but I know I know I know I know how to fight.
1: <laughs> yeah. So you've obviously done so much in your career and you're not even nearly being finished with it. You're just basically getting started at this point. Um and but you already you have like a a movie being done about your about your life. Can you tell us a little bit about it?
2: Yeah, yeah, Clarissa Shields is popping. Um, the movie is being done by Universal Studios. Okay. The writer is Barry Jenkins. The pro, I think the producer is is a Rachel Morrison. Ice Cube is playing my boxing coach. Oh, <laughs> Uh, uh, Ryan Destiny is playing me Uh and uh, she's famous from Star and a few other movies that's out and um, yeah I actually I I saw the script and I've talked with Barry Jenkins about it and yeah you know I think we're gonna win after (laughs) they really captured just the inside of my mind and people always, you know, judge me from the outside of oh, she's strong, she's outspoken, she's arrogant, whatever they want to call it. And um or I guess overconfident. But really I'm just a extremely hard worker. Um a person who come from who come from nothing. And now that I have everything I kinda you know let like don't let people forget like where I like where I come from and why I'm so hungry for boxing and why I want to win.
1: Let's take it back to that point. You know, you are from Flint Uh, there. It's a rough, it's a rough city. It's a rough city. And I just want to talk a bit about what life was like for you growing up and, um, you know, sort of the adversities you had to overcome.
2: Ah, Too many. And that's where I think people get it all wrong at. You know, like I grew up, I didn't have a bed to sleep on. Uh, till I qualified for the Olympics and bought my own bed. Um, this is when I won the Olympic trials, actually, you know, I didn't have my mom abused uh, alcohol growing up. And I was just a mad kid, you know. I had been sexually abused at a very young age. and From there, it just, like, I didn't trust nobody. I didn't like nobody. And I used to tell people all the time, like, I don't really like people. And people used to be like, what do you mean? I'm like, I don't like people. Like, I don't I get what you don't understand about that. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, just growing up and having eyes always on me, being a female fighter, Um, I think my dream of boxing is what – my dream to become an Olympic champ is what made me focus on just boxing and not focus on all the hardship that I was going through. You know, I would go to school and wouldn't have one any nice clothes. And, you know, some of my stuff would be dirty from the week before. And um, I I really wasn't eating a lot. And uh, people would talk about my hair, talk about, you know, my clothes, talk about my shoes. And uh, the only time I, I ever got complimented on anything that was, you know, was me was when I was at the gym, you know. when I, I would get judged for sweating a lot during a, during the a track practices, you know, from working hard. But then I would go to the boxing gym and have my coach just be like, yeah, you're sweating, you're working hard, good job. I mean, you're learning this, you're learning very well. Just to be complimented and to be appreciated. So,
0: um,
2: you know, I just grew up without having a lot, and I think that uh, I just couldn't wait to get to to get grown because I knew I would have to take care of myself, take care of my mom, take care of my family, and I just wanted money to do that. It it wasn't really money for materialistic things, but I grew up without having a lot, and then. you know, I just remember being hungry all the time. And it wasn't just uh, hungry for food, but hungry for food, hungry to, uh, for attention, hungry to be loved, hungry to be uh, to, to feel important. And I never felt that growing up. And I felt it a little bit for my dad and my mom, you know, when she finally stopped being addicted to alcohol. And, you know, she would, you know, we would have our talks here and there. But um, my grandmother, just the one that instilled so much in me, you know, like I was a big crybaby, and I and I probably still am, but nobody knows that much, and um, my grandma just is where the hard exterior comes from, you know, she didn't accept weaknesses, you know, if I had a bad day at the gym, and I would go to my grandma's house, who was right down the street, and she'd be like, you know, what's wrong, and I'd be like, nothing, and she'd be like, well, you'll be all right tomorrow, suck it up, it's all right, <laughs> you know, it just was a lot that I had to deal with growing up. And I'm 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 actually writing a book to put it all in there, but I could go on and on about the things that I experienced as a child that makes me be so uh, stern and be such a hard worker.
1: But, but you know, it's so right now,
2: but
1: it's so important for people to know that side because you have so much resilience. And the thing is, there are a lot of people. I, I too ha- um, was sexually abused growing up, so I can't understand that that in itself is mm-hmm. a really big battle. Like a lot comes with that. You know what I'm saying? To your relationships, mm-hmm. to your trust, to um met your mental state. I mean, you're questioning everything and everyone, right? Their motives. But like it's important, oh, it's important to to talk about that a bit, especially if you if you've overcome it, you you feel okay speaking about it. Because there are people who are still sitting there. There are young girls who are searching for videos of you, who are buying your books, who are going to go watch your movie, and who might be going through the exact same thing you're going through, that I went through. And if they could see that people have come out of it and done something from their lives, then you just saying that right now just inspired someone to be like, she did it, I can do it. It's not impossible to do it. Because as you know better than anybody, your environment is everything when it comes to, like, building self-esteem and that confidence. So, like, I, I don't know. I just, I, I can completely understand. Like, that's, you know, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of how far you've come. Oh, thank but you. You've had to, I mean, think, I mean, for crying out loud, for you to say, like, you didn't even have a bed to sleep on just before you went to the, I mean, that's deep, Clarissa. Like, that's, like... I don't even know what
2: to say. You know what I mean? Yeah, I just know that, you know, I always try to let people know, like, you know, I'm not a victim of, of anything. You know, I had a tough upbringing. No, you, But, but you that's was a where a tough exterior come from. You know, people don't, oh, I never met a girl like you. You're so mean. and Why are you so serious and all this stuff. And I just be like, people really don't know that, you know, like where I came from if I would have been any other way, I wouldn't have made it this far. So, Mm -hmm. you know, Flint embraces me now, but I know that it's hard to grow up where I grew up at. And um, it's hard to make it mentally, you know, because you can, you can have all the physical gifts in the world, but if you get stuck in a certain place in a certain time, you can be stuck there forever and you can never outgrow that. So I've been able to outgrow a lot of situations a lot of feelings and a lot of things uh, that was done to me, and I'm able to be like, you know, I'm not a victim. I'm a survivor. You know, I'm a, uh, I'm an overcomer. I'm ambitious. You know, I'm uh, resilient. I'm able to, to say those words and know that they're true about about myself, and know that um, other people can do it. You know, and um, something that uh, somebody told me, and that I continue to tell other people. Uh, just because you're raped or sexually abused um it's, it it's not an excuse you know to not become something and uh you let your abuser win when you keep using them as an excuse oh because i was raped i'm angry and i hate everybody oh because i was sexually abused i don't trust nobody i'm not going to run track or or you know do what i love you know and you giving that person too much power over your life, so I always try to tell people like, don't give that person that much power over you. And the person who sexually abused you, when they see you become famous, when they see you making it, they're gonna be looking at themselves in the mirror, and they're gonna, you know, have that look at themselves like, wow, I didn't, I didn't break her. Yeah, exactly. And that, and and that's what their goal is at the time of them doing these, you know stupid things Mm
1: -hmm. it's a control it's a control game
2: yeah for sure but you
1: know overall I try to tell people I
2: leave it leave it there leave it in the past there's nothing wrong with you can tell people that happened to you but don't stay in that in that time space you know like it happened to me um I had to live with it I dealt with it I overcame it um I'm blessed by the grace of God
1: you have to be willing. In order to become a survivor, you have to be willing to forgive them, even if they haven't asked for it.
2: Yep. True.
1: Yeah. True that. Because they. And you're really
2: ask. forgiving them for yourself. You're not forgiving them for them. You're forgiving them for yourself.
1: But I do, I do see. Whereas now, you know, you're snappy. You gonna let someone have it if they say <laughs> something to you. I totally get that because I a lot of times my friends say about me, they're like, "Damn, you're tough love." Like. They'll say something about, oh, my heart got broken. And I'm like, well, now you know he ain't the one. Let's move on. You know what I mean?
2: That's it. (laughs) It's
0: fine.
1: Let's keep it pushing. There's no reason to cry about it. So I do understand, Mm -hmm. you know, that exterior being like, because when you've been through so much and then you hear about other things, they seem so minimal in the grand scheme of what you've already had to overcome.
0: Yeah.
1: You are the queen of trolling the trolls. (laughs) you troll the trolls like they think they're coming with something slick and then you find a way to make them look stupid you know what
2: I actually I went live the other day and I'm like you know I'm going live with the haters you know (laughs) tune in tune in bring them in baby (laughs) and uh it was my first time doing that because I blocked so many accounts and stuff but I just like you know I'm getting you know I want to hear what they got to say and I went live with them and uh, they go live, and the first thing of got live, my life, they're like, oh, yeah, um, you know, Layla Ali's going to smash you. And I'm like, oh, okay, I'm glad you think that. So why do you think that? They're like, she got too much experience for you. I mean, she, you know, she Muhammad Ali Dorian, and they saying all this stuff. And I'm like, how many of the she got experience? They're like, I don't know, but she got more than you. And I'm like, she started boxing when she was 20, and she retired when she was 29. I started boxing when I was 11. And I'm 25 right now, still boxing. Mm-hmm. That's 14 years compared to mine. So who got more experience? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He like, Oh, yeah, I ain't know that. I said, Okay, what's next? He goes, Well, she is way, you know, she way taller than you and bigger than you. I said, I, I said, How tall am I? He said, You about five six. I said, No, I'm not. Five, I'm five nine, mm-hmm. five ten ten with some good shoes on. Sir. <laughs> so, uh, no, he like, Oh, I ain't know that. I said, All right, but you know. And then I finally just had to hit him with, "What's your favorite fighter of 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 a Leila Ali?" And He go, "Um, mm. uh, mm, oh, yeah, you got me there." I said, well, "I thought you was a Leila Ali fan." Mm. You tell me you ain't never watched a girl fight, They all over on YouTube. You don't know which one your favorite. I said, Vonda Ward, the Jackie Frazier? Who's your favorite fighter? First you know Martin. Find,
1: do you know what I find, Clarissa, is that people aren't entirely like they don't they're not boxing fans. They're the stand yeah. of
2: one person. See, I like to come with the facts. I like and I like to play with the numbers. Yeah. You know what I mean? I like to play with um I know a lot of information about boxing. So when people come and they come with, oh, this fighter will do this, and oh, this fighter. It has some Cecilia fans, you know, who got on and saying some stuff about what she'll do and what she won't do. And uh, you know, all this like that. And I'm just like, Look, I don't let you be entitled to your opinion, but just know that I'm entitled to mine. I'm gonna back them up with facts, and a lot of the fighters don't be having facts. But you're, but you're totally right, like about that. Like there are some Triple G fans who believe that he beat Canelo every fight, and there are some fans that believe that Canelo won every fight against Triple G. Mm-hmm. And me being a real boxing fan and a fan of both guys, I can respectfully say that Triple G, hands down, won the second fight,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and Canelo hands down won the no triple d won the first fight Mm -hmm. and canelo won the second fight hands down now to see where they're at now like i like i really have to watch the fight and i judge it round by round and you know just like being fair but there are some people who just can't put their biases to the side Mm
1: -hmm. that's exactly what it is and it's okay it's okay if, if people just say it look I just don't like so-and-so cool. Fine. Fair enough. But if you're going to That's all I want. That's what I want
2: from people. Look, I like to keep it real with people. If you don't like me, just say it. I hate these pretend people. Mm -hmm. They pretend. Oh, you know, um, I don't don't like you because of this. And I don't like you because of that. Because of certain stuff I said or something that I did. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, look, this is how I look at it. It got plenty of people who I like who have done and said things that I don't like. And it's either I like that person or I don't. It got some people that they can do whatever in the world and you will still like them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, for me, if you like me as a person or whatever, no matter what I do, your interpretation of me will never change. I'm a person that I love and I like Adrian Broner. Mm-hmm. He do a lot of stupid stuff. <laughs> he do a lot of out of out of character stuff. But I, whenever I see Adrian Broner, I always embrace him with a hug, a hello. I laugh with him. We done took a shot together. I mean, this dude is like, he talks so much trash and he get in so much trouble. But he is somebody who I literally like. Man, this dude is a good guy at heart. Mm-hmm. And no matter what he do, I'm like Adrian Broner is a cool dude to me. Yeah. And that's just how I feel about people. Like, if you don't like me, don't like me. If you do, you do. But don't try to pick, oh, I liked you before you start calling yourself the quote. I liked you before you start calling out Layla Ali. I liked you before you start going up and down, the, up in the divisions fighting against the best girls. I liked you when you were just the one. People got all these stipulations. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and my thing is like, I don't care if you like me or not. Just pick one. That's yeah. all. That's
1: pick one. <laughs> yeah, just make up your mind already. I know. I get it. It's, it's, it's crazy, but it's true. Sometimes it's just not even worth, you know, getting into arguments with people about stuff, especially when they're not even trying to listen. They already have their mind made up. Because it, It's one thing to have a, a debate because you're open to being wrong. Mm-hmm. A healthy debate means you might be wrong. You know what I'm saying? Yep. But if you're going into it, like, no matter what I say, you wrong, then there's, it's pointless. It's like, it's like talking to a wall right there. Like, I just don't got time for it. It just, you got that, that strength about you though. Like you just, you have that, it's water off a duck's ass sort of mentality.
2: I've never heard that saying before, but it sounds cool as fuck. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <Water laughs> i never heard that. <laughs> You've said before that boxing is what I do, but it's not who I am. Who are you? How would you, how would you describe yourself when they say, "Who is Clarissa Shield"? Well, I'm, I'm
2: actually still figuring that out. You know, uh, I've got a lot of interest in being a fitness trainer. Mm-hmm. I like to help people. Mm-hmm. You know, help them stay motivated to work out, help them stay motivated to eat healthy, have a, have a better life. And I really begin getting into that stuff on my on my Instagram and my YouTube channel that I just got up and running. Mm -hmm. and um i've been loving it i i go instagram live and i've been letting my fans come on i have i have workouts about a thirty minute workout for us
0: with threats to our nation waiting around every corner adaptability is more important than ever when conditions change without notice quick strategic thinking is crucial and with obstacles consistently impending determination is essential in overcoming them it's this willingness decisiveness and resilience that sets marines apart with our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com.
2: Click about six or seven different people and I go live and do workouts with them. And I'm um, just seeing everybody so happy to be working out and to be talking with me and to be losing weight at the same time and just learning. To me, that's something that I like. So I know that I like teaching people. I like motivating people. And uh, I think overall, I'm just a strong person. You know, when I say, you know, boxing is what I do, but I'm a strong person, uh, an independent person, a motivating person, and uh, just, just a teacher. You know, I think that um that's how I can sum it up right now. But overall, I'm a really, really good person. I'm way nicer than what people give me credit for. But boxing will always be the first thing that people think about when they think of me because that's just is what I do, you know, but people get it confused because that's not who I am. And something I can say too is like I'm very competitive no matter what it is. So uh people also take that the wrong way and run with it and kinda, you know, try to paint it out to be, oh, she's just a boxer and, you know, wants to beat everybody up and it's like that like they don't want to use words like legacy. Mm -hmm. uh words like uh being undisputed words like being the best they always leave those words out when it comes to me and they use the negative words that talk about uh, being competitive and being the best you know
1: so like do you feel that you have support from other women or do you actually feel like it's the opposite
2: as far as in the women that came before me as far as in boxing no um they've always been kind of I don't know, kind of weird about how they speak about me. You know, they speak about me, you know, as far as in nobody wants to talk about the good things of how great of a fighter I am. Like, they'll speak about it, but in a, but in a negative way. I never had any real like, real, real support from any other woman before me, I don't feel like. Um, I know that Lucia Riker is very, very nice to me and always has been kind. Uh, Christy Martin had her moments. Layla Ali had her moments, I guess. But, um, uh, I feel like the women who are in boxing at like right now. I feel like we all have that equal support of each other, and I feel like I can say women like Heather Hardy, French John Cruz, Amanda Serrano, um, you can Saint You can give each yeah other
0: credit. yeah.
2: We can give each other credit, and we can also me and me and Fran John. I feel like he's one of the most awkwardest friends ever. Like we're. <laughs> Like, we're actually super close, right? And I fought her the most amount of times than any girl I've ever fought. We've fought five times now. Four times in the amateurs, one times in a pro. And um, we still could potentially fight in the future. But I'm, like, super, like, team franchise Cruz, no matter who she's fighting against. And I'm, uh, you know, and she's team Shields, no matter who I'm fighting against. And uh, somehow we have this very, very strong respect and strong friendship, knowing that one day we're going to be the women's fight of the century because uh, we may end up clashing together again, Mm -hmm. you know, for world title fights and stuff, so um, it's some respect, but I feel like me in general, Mm
0: -hmm.
2: I get props from any male world champion who boxes right now, Mm -hmm. and I mean, from both Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury, and Anthony Joshua. All those guys give me the utmost respect and speak very highly of my skills and very highly of me being a boxer. Earl Spence, same thing. Andre Berto, Andre um, Ward, Andre Durrell, Anthony Durrell, Shakur Stevenson, Terrence Crawford, all those boxers, any top male boxer you can think of right now in this time gives me the utmost respect of being a fighter and um, support me 99 out of 100. I mean, even if we cross over to MMA and Johnny Bonds give me the most, the utmost respect, look at me as a legend, um, is grateful for my legacy, and gives me a lot of support. So I'm like, oh, sometimes I'm overjoyed with all the support that I get being a woman fighter. And um, I don't really even look at the women who come before me who don't give me that respect. You know, it's more like, I don't even care. But I know there's a lot of people in the world who are great. Who give me a lot of respect and I forgot an important name Roy Jones Evander Holyfield those guys like they can actually see me box and be like wow you know and um that's something that's been like super um inspirational for me just in my career being able to talk with those guys and fight in front of those guys and oh sugar Ray Leonard. I got so many people I can name <laughs> but just to be able to fight in front of them and then after the fight they come up and they talk to me like you did one of my moves. You, you got a good jab. No jab like mine. You got a hook like mine. And to hear that kind of stuff for me, it was like, so I guess I don't box like a girl. Cool. <laughs>
1: what's what's the deal? What's the status right now of the uh Layla Ali situation? I know that a few, I saw an interview you had done like two weeks ago with TMZ Sports. You know, what's the status? Is there any any update?
2: i seen Layla Ali on WBC boxing thing on Zoom. And, of course, Mauricio asked her about, you know, me you plug it up, me and her fighting and uh, all this other stuff. And then she goes on this whole little rant about how she would have to train and how she would have to get ready and how the money would have to be there and how she needed about a year of training and stuff like that. And um, I just kind of looked at it as a whole lot of excuses. And uh, for her to say that I'm not a talented fighter and I'm not really that good, for her need a whole year to get ready, I feel like she's just kind of using my name for clout and um, to stay relevant in the boxing world because it's popping right now for women's boxing. And I feel like she feels that she's somewhat entitled to that relevance and that attention because of her past, her being a boxer, her being Muhammad Ali's daughter. And uh, the truth is she's not because respectfully when it was her time it was her time nobody else's and now that it's my time is my time and the other women's time who are boxing right now so I've actually been like some people like I refuse to keep going on and on and on about it yeah about her you know I wish her the best in whatever she got going on with so many of her businesses you know her cooking channel her cooking book and everything Do you think I just you wish know? her the best with that
1: is it realistic? Like, do you think that it's just something people should just get over and let's just move on to the next topic? Or do you really think that can be possible? Because I did hear, I don't know how true this is, but yeah. I did hear that she was asking somewhere around the range of $5 million for the fight. Is that true?
2: Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, that's definitely true. But um, uh, where, where have you seen any, have, when have you ever seen a woman boxer get paid a million dollars? You know, and that's where my whole thing is like you have to make logical of the numbers and of, of the sense. And we don't know what, 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 what women's boxing can do. I feel like we should just fight on pay-per-view, whatever the pay-per-view numbers are, mm-hmm. 200, 300, 400, 500,000 views. And we split that down the middle and go on about our day. And that's me being generous because I can really say sixty forty because I'm the reigning champ.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I'm the three-time division world champ, not her, Right. But um, that's what I would do to make the fight happen. But um, is it realistic? Uh, sure, but in a way, it's not because of just the excuses that I've heard. You know about, you know, just this long rant of her age and her having to be in shape, and and then and then she says on the, she says all that stuff, and then she says, "But well, regardless, if I do have that stuff or if I don't train, I can still beat her." But
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I have to have this, 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 that, and that, that, because I'm a very calculated person and all the other stuff. And, you know, for me, it just like, for me, honestly, I have bigger plans that I have going on right now. I'm going to focus on the women who are actually not in retirement. And, um, you know, I would love to get a fight with Cecilia Bracches. Um, My next fight is against Marie Eve Decare to become undisputed at 154 pounds. I would love to fight against Hannah Gabriels again. Um, I would love to fight against Layla McCarter about, I would love to fight against
0: What
2: about MMA? MMA is definitely going to happen
0: hmm.
2: Yeah, It's definitely going to happen I just can't put the timing on it because it's so much more stuff I want to do in boxing which is like one day it's like it's not really a lot of opportunities because you look at who you can fight and the girls turning you down and a whole bunch of other stuff But then, you know, I look at how I can go from 154 back up to 168, possibly 175. And um, I just see, like, so many different, you know, fights and things that I can have. But I do want to try my luck in MMA. And I would love to go to 168 and, you know, have a nice little tussle with uh, Alejandra Jimenez. Mm -hmm. You know, even though she's a PED user. You know, we'll have her get the drug test and everything and I'm going there and beat her ass. Mm-hmm. You know, I let her do that. Um, I of course wanna fight against Savannah Marshall whenever that fight whenever they're ready for that fight. It just so many things, you know, that I wanna do. So like I can actually focus on the fighters right now. I don't have to I'm gonna make a million dollars without Layla Ali. You know, just in my own career. You know, and um, she can't say the same. She can't say the same about me. If she doesn't fight me, there aren't anybody going to be offering millions of dollars for her to come out of retirement and fight.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Nobody's even going to like. People are thinking about it now, but definitely like if she says oh, I'm coming out come out of retirement, but I want to fight against Samantha Marshall, I want to fight against French John Cruz, I want to fight against any of the other girls.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Nobody's going to offer her a million, five million, nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's definitely not going to be a pay-per-view, I don't think. So I'll make my I'll make my money in boxing without her, you know. So that's why I say I wish her luck in whatever she does. If the fight um, becomes real, that's really on – it's really all about her mm-hmm. at this point. It's really not me because I'm an active fighter. I'm active. I'm fighting. So it's about her. So it's about what she do from now on. not really about anything I say or do. She knows I'm going to fight her. Um, and that's it. She knows I want to fight her. She know I will fight her. And now the ball's in her court. It's all about if she's going to spend that year of getting ready. If, uh, she's actually going to make that coming out of retirement statement. And then people are going to see that she's actually being serious about this fighting because a lot of people who are high up in business don't know if she's serious or not.
1: Well, Clarissa, I appreciate your time. It was nice talking to you. It's always great chatting with you.
2: Yes, yeah, same, mom. Um, I can't wait to see how you cut all this up and what's yep. the headline
1: for this one. <laughs>
2: it's going
0: to be
1: hilarious. No, I think I'm going to do three. I'm going to do one about your life story. It'll be Two will be about the quarantine house, and three will be dating, dating talk between you and I. Okay. Easy work. <laughs> Hi, fans. It's Michelle Joy Phelps. If you haven't already subscribed to our YouTube channel, make sure you do so by clicking this icon right here, or else...